welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Hey, welcome back this week, Nicole. How are things over there in Ohio? Well, we just got our first real snowstorm, like ooh, had, ooh, yeah. had to plow the driveway snowstorm, and I have a horse on stall rest, so I'm living the dream right now. <laughs> <laughs> just going outside that nice warmth yes i could feel it i could feel it yeah from here. it is joy <laughs> yeah i know i know that time of year and and hopefully some of the podcasts that we've released in the last few weeks as far as talking about winter feeding and 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 taking care of your horse during that time of year is very helpful for our listeners but today's a a, a totally different topic we're going to talk about fixed formulations right that is correct yep fixed formulations what we're going to chat about today so for the listeners, I guess it would be helpful to define what fixed formulation means. Sure. And this is something I think there's some confusion about because different terms might be used. So in the broadest sense, fixed formulation is using the same ingredients in essentially the same proportion every time you make a feed in order to hit the guaranteed analysis of that particular feed. So if you look at the tag of any feed, there are two things, well, there's multiple things required to be on there, but for this discussion, the two big things would be the guaranteed analysis. So that's gonna tell you a minimum amount of crude protein, a minimum amount of fat, a maximum amount of fiber, so on and so forth contained in the feed. And then the ingredients used to meet those nutrient specifications. So with a fixed formula, we're saying we provide the same guaranteed analysis every time and we're using the same ingredients in the same proportions to achieve those nutrient specs. So how would that differ? Because you also, you're talking about terms and you see this term least cost formulation. So, so we're talking about tribute using a fixed formulation so how does that differ from the least cost formulation? So in a least cost formula, what they would do is depending on how the markets change, they're going to make ingredient substitutions to still meet that guaranteed analysis. So a feed might be 12% crude protein every time, but maybe sometimes it's made with more soybean meal. Maybe the market changes and dried distillers grains becomes a more economical protein source. So they'd sub in more of that. So it essentially means that when you're least cost formulating, you're looking at what are my market costs? today and then adjusting the formula to still meet the same nutrient specifications with the lowest cost ingredients, hence the name least cost formulation. So the ingredients can change wildly throughout, I guess, the year. It wouldn't change like we it could be even week to week, maybe. It could even be day to day. It just depends day day, on yeah. how often they're going in and reformulating. In terms of the commodity markets, those are changing by the minute. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. how often you're making feed, how often you're going in and reformulating would be you know, specific to that manufacturer. So I, I guess for our, for our listeners, why would that be important to their horse? You know, Why, why should they care, I guess, is, is a good question. The reason that we care here at Tribute is that horses really thrive on consistency. So there's a lot we can't necessarily control in the horse's life. Your hay is going to change. Even grass in your pasture is going to change in nutrient value through the seasons, throughout the day. But the nutrition that we provide and what comes in a bag is something we can make very consistent. And that really supports their digestive system very well. 
we all know that you wouldn't really rapidly change from one product to another. Well, depending on how big those ingredient substitutions are in a least cost formulated feed, it might be very similar to making a big jump between feed A and feed B. So it really depends a lot on the horse. You know, there are some with that iron gut who could mm-hmm. eat anything and be fine. Most horses are somewhere in the middle and then some are really sensitive. So I always say control what we can and a fixed formula is something that we can control. So we can use those high quality ingredients to meet our desired nutrient specs. And then the way and the place they're digested in the horse's digestive system is going to be consistent every time. So a good example, if you're thinking about an energy source for horses, corn or oats. Well, Mm -hmm. Oats are a lot more digestible in the small intestine than corn. So if you were to sub out a bunch of corn in a ground pellet in place of oats, you could change where in the digestive system that's digested, end up with more starch in the hindgut, which is negative to those microbes that live there. Now, for that reason, I really don't use corn in tribute anyways, but that's something that can happen in a least cost formulated product. Yeah, that's interesting. So it's like, Especially, I always, I used to always use corn and oats as as an example. Like, like you just, it was beautiful. You just the way you just said it. You know, talking, uh, teaching students about the difference in different grains and, and how they affect horses. So, in a least cost formulation, like you said, just to reiterate that, you know, to to provide the energy in the diet or some other nutrients, you know, they they could substitute oats and corn, and that's a huge that's a huge swing, which which is possible. Uh, whereas in a fixed formula, no, it, every week it's oats, right? Like it doesn't matter if oats change in the commodity market, if if they're high one day in price or negative, you know, net goes up and down. It's always going to be oats, right? Correct. All right, good. Yeah, it's good. Good. Now, if if I was an owner and I'm out there, how do I know if my feed is a fixed formula? So... You can't necessarily look at a tag and say this is fixed formula. You can look at a tag and get an immediate clue that it is a least cost formulation by the use of collective terms. So using corn and oats as our example again, you would see grain products as the term on a tag rather than it specifically calling out oats or corn. So -hmm. that's an indicator that they can go in and switch out ingredients that fall under those collective terms. So it could be forage products, grain byproducts. There are all sorts of those type of collective terms out there. And that allows them the flexibility to not even have to change the tag, but to go in and change those sources. So on a tribute tag, you're going to see the specific ingredients that are used, beet pulp, ground extruded soybean meal, so on and so forth. But just because a tag uses specific terms doesn't necessarily mean that it is a fixed formula. It could mean that they're changing the tag every single time they change the feed. So I would encourage you to reach out if you're not sure and this is something that's important to you. Go ahead and reach out to your feed manufacturer and say, is this product a fixed formula? Especially ones that are manufactured in lots of places. You could make the assumption that what I buy in Iowa is going to be the exact same as what I buy in Florida when I head south for the winter because it has the same name and they have, may have two entirely different regional formulas under the same name. So I would encourage people to reach out and confirm that it is indeed a fixed formula. Right, right. Yeah, because I mean, what what commodities are available in Florida are going to be different than in Iowa as far as 
you know, what's available locally. And then you're thinking of shipping costs, things like that. So as, as they're trying to balance the feed with costs, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, this is an amazing topic because it was something I've really never been exposed to, I guess, is in, in education when we were talking about nutrition and, and thinking about it, but it makes so much sense as far as consistency, because that's the one thing we know with horses and digestion and digestive tract and nutrition consistency. So, yeah. So I guess my question would be, because it, it, it sounds amazing. What are the drawbacks? You know, what, why, because every company should be doing this or would be doing this. So what are some of the things that, that uh, are a drawback, I guess? Sure. One of the things that, you know, you would consider a drawback is there is going to be price fluctuation. So we are saying we're going to use this exact ingredient every single time. That means as those markets change throughout seasons or because of external pressures, maybe there's a drought and all of a sudden it's not nearly as available as it is in normal years. You're going to absorb that price fluctuation into the cost of your feed. So for that reason, you could see as an end user, some changes in the cost of your feed, which can be a bit of an annoyance. Say, well, this used to be X number of dollars per Mm -hmm. bag. Why is it a dollar more all of a sudden? Well, that very easily could be because of fluctuations in the commodity market. From a manufacturing standpoint, one of our challenges for fixed cost formulation is that I need to make sure the ingredients that we're buying are very consistent because it's not as simple as baking a cake, making a recipe where if your ingredients varied widely, the nutrition that your animal received might still vary. So I don't go out and just buy X bulk ingredient. It's contracting with trusted suppliers to supply that bulk ingredient within a very narrow margin that is acceptable to us so that it can be used very consistently throughout our products. So from that perspective, it makes it challenging for a manufacturer to have that really tight range of variability to make sure Mm -hmm. that in a fixed formula, we're still providing very consistent nutrition. So for us, that means lots of testing, vetting suppliers, only working with ones that meet very stringent quality and safety guidelines to supply the ingredients that we use in our feeds. And so when, when sourcing all these ingredients, are, are they, you know, cause the, because all this feeds made in Ohio, do you know how far like you source some of this stuff or some of the places, like how far does tribute go to, to get these quality ingredients? That's an interesting question. So a lot of ingredients are going to be, relatively local. We live in the Midwest. There's a lot of farming. There's a lot of agriculture. It allows us to buy a lot of those important ingredients very locally. Some specialty ingredients are going to come from places like Europe or Canada. You know, think about some of the feed additive type ingredients that are used in really small amounts. Some of those aren't even made in the U.S. They're only made in very specific places around the world. So, you know, the ingredients might come from a lot of different places. I will say we definitely try to buy local as much as possible. That's a benefit to our local economy. And it also saves Mm -hmm. on freight costs. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just fascinating stuff. And then one of the things I, I saw, Nicole was, you know, sometimes people ask, why don't you just print the feed tag on the bag, you know, rather than, you know, everybody's the one hanging off the bag that that's, Maybe that can, like you mentioned earlier, that could change. So why not just print it on the bag if you're using a fixed formula? 
Oh, that's a great question. Yeah, because, you know, if the formula stays the same every time, why wouldn't you just put it on the bag? And the reason for that is because the timeline to get new bags is insanely long. I never would have guessed this before I started working in this industry, how long it takes, plus the amount of time it would take to make that change across multiple products because you're not going to get all of your bags for all your products in at the same time. It's staggered depending on the use rate of those different products. So what that would do is it would lock us into that formula, which you're like, well, of course it would. Didn't you just tell me your fixed formula? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But while we are fixed formula, we're always looking for ways to improve. So, you know, we have ongoing research and all of these things to make improvements to tribute. So just because we're fixed formula doesn't mean we're static. So when we see an opportunity to make an improvement, we don't want to have to wait all of the time it takes Mm -hmm. to use your current bag inventory, order more and have them come in. And a great example of this, just last year, we made some updates to Essential K. So mm-hmm. Essential K is our flagship ration balancer. It's a product highly concentrated in nutrients, meant to, meant to be fed at only a pound or two per day, and it's applicable to lots of different horses. Well, I looked at it and said, you know, I think that this product could be improved if we increased a couple of the nutrients. So specifically copper, zinc, and vitamin E mm-hmm. increased in all the versions of Essential K. And we have quite a few. There's Essential K. Essential K GC Plus, which has the joint support built in. And there is also Essential K with fly control. So you can get your fly control built in during the summer. So all of those products had that increase in nutrients last year to improve them. That allows us to have that flexibility that when we find an improvement that we can make, we can get it implemented right away. Now, I want to say this is a really important. When we make a change, one, it's going to be to improve the product for the health and performance of your horse. And two, we're going to tell you about it. So if you followed our social media, you would have saw that we had lots of posts talking about, yay, exciting changes coming to Essential K. Here's exactly what they will look like, because we don't want to blindside anyone with those, Mm -hmm, because we're mm -hmm. very committed to a fixed formula. So -hmm. if you follow along with our social media, you'll, you know, be the first place to hear those improvements that we are making. So it gives us that flexibility. Yeah. And so with the least cost formula, you probably wouldn't know of all these changes. You know, they wouldn't just be, they're they're not telling you week in, week out. Oh, well, this week we are using more corn in our formula or this week, you know, copper might be a little bit lower than normal. You know what I mean? They they just don't have that transparency. No. And typically I I say this a little bit in jest, but if you were using ingredients that you are proud of, you'd probably put the exact term down and not the collective yes. term. Because yes. sometimes there are things that can hide under the collective terms that might increase the nutrient value on a tag, but not be that digestible to the horse. A really great example is in our crude fiber. So thinking about like our senior horse products, we want a higher crude fiber to help replace what they're not getting from their forage anymore. Great sources of fiber in the horse's diet are things like beet pulp, alfalfa, soybean hulls. There are things that would also fall under roughage or forage products as a collective term, like rice hulls, peanut hulls, oat hulls. None of those are very digestible to the horse, Mm -hmm. but they 
increase the crude fiber value on the tag. And typically the way I talk about this is I ask people, have you ever seen the manure of a horse who has been fed whole oats? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And what, all the time. What, yep. what do you, you see, see in the, the manure? Yeah. You, you see the, the whole oat in the manure. <laughs> it's like yeah. it didn't even digest it. Yeah. So if you actually got up close and personal with that oat, which it's that's basically what a degree in nutrition is, getting up yes, close and yes, personal yes, with what yes. comes out of the back end of the horse. Yeah. If you actually looked, the interior of the oat, the starchy part, that's gone. Oats are really digestible, even in their whole oat form. But the outside of the oat really isn't digestible at all. That's no. why it comes out the back of the horse. However, you could technically grind it up, put it in a pellet, it would increase the crude fiber value and you wouldn't see it coming out of the horse. So right. for that reason, you know, those collective terms, they're not necessarily nefarious, but they could be hiding ingredients that just aren't as high quality as you would like to feed your own horse. Right. And it's just like, that's why it's like anything, you know, it, you want to feed your horse quality feed and it, and it may cost you a little bit more, but I always used to teach that it's an investment not only in your animal and in, in your life, you know, because they bring us so much enjoyment, but also like preventative, like preventative medicine almost to where you don't want a colic surgery or, or your horse, you know, dealing with colic at all. You don't want some of these, you know, digestive disturbances that come up because you're not feeding them properly because that's going to cost you more money in the long run. Those vet bills are horrendous. You know, anybody oh. that owns horses. Yeah. You, you're, yeah. You're laughing because that's, that's you right now today. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, yeah. I definitely paid a pretty good bet bell last week, but yeah, horses yeah. already do enough ridiculous things to cost yes. money that yes. <laughs> anything that we can prevent in a relatively simple way, like choosing the right feed, feeding at an appropriate level, making sure it's made in a safe manufacturing facility. I feel like that's just money well spent to help yeah. support yeah. our equine partners and do our best to prevent whatever crazy things they dream up mm -hmm. that require a call to a vet. No, I know. I know. But you got to love them. You got to just love horses. It just, oh, they're so amazing, amazing animals. And just, we want to thank you for listening if you're enjoying this podcast, we just ask if you could go into iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and, and put some nice comments in there. We really appreciate it. It's going to help our circulation, get this information out to, to more host, to more horse owners so we can help, you know, keep them healthy and happy. But thank you so much for listening and stay tuned uh, for next week. An another great podcast. Thanks, Chris.